Hello, I'm Claire Doherty, the director of Arnolfini in Bristol. You're listening to the Imagine New Rules podcast. Hello, I'm here with Tom Marshman this afternoon. Tom, um, I'm going to uh, let you describe how you would like me to describe you. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it probably is a wise idea. Um, So I'm a local performer. Um, I'm also, well, I produce different events which kind of have an LGBT focus, but I call myself, mostly I call myself um, a compare of those events or a host, yeah. And you're comparing an event later on this week for us, maybe as a way to understand how you work. Tell us a little bit about that event. So uh, it's, it's a Beacons, Icons and Icons Presents. It's a night, it's called Angora Nights, and we're screening the film Ed Wood, um, who was a 1950s film director, producer and actor and uh, famously a transvestite who had a penchant for Angora sweaters. Um, and so we're screening the film. I'm going to be doing um, an introductory performance before the film starts, and then we're having a kind of um, very informal um, chat around masculinity. But I'm shaping it much more like a party game than a, than a kind of panel discussion. And then we're going to head into the bar for um, a bit of a party with Don't Tell Your Mother, who are going to be playing some music for us. So it sounds a very appropriate event for the Grace and Perry season. Yeah, so we're thinking around masculinity um, for that, particularly um, getting involved with the uh, with Grayson's um, cross-dressing. And you also have your own artistic practice as well as comparing, or do you regard that as... As, as part of the practice as well? I try to think of them as quite separate, really. So I generally make one show a year that's a solo show that does tour a bit. Um, and the show that I'm touring at the moment is called King's Cross Remix, um, about King's Cross uh, area in London in the 1980s. Um, and then the work that I do with Beacons, Icons and Icons is much more about um, bringing artists together um, collaborations and um, guests building like a sense of community around those events. So you work with a number of different organisations. Um, I think you've described in the past as a bit of a troublemaker, almost a provocateur, in some ways uh, a sense of poking a stick or uh, provoking organisations to rethink and, and to change and to do things they might not have done. Um, what do you see is emerging in terms of perhaps the new ways that arts organisations might work to be more porous and open? Um, or do you think, or do you quite like the fact that they're, uh, they have institutional structures that you can come in and provoke and infect? Um, I see that organisations are really looking at themselves and looking at the audiences that they're attracting and really wanting to diversify that. Um, With the work that I've been doing with the National Trust, um, they have realised that, like, their pool of volunteers are kind of older people and getting older and the visitors are kind of getting older, so they're kind of shifting the way that they the narratives that they that they shine the light on 
um, which has been a, a large part of the work that they've been doing with the LGBT stories. Um, so it sort of allows a place for me, um, I think, and I often feel like not the greatest expert in, in arts, um, but kind of really enjoy working in these places and trying to communicate to audiences what they might mean to them outside of, a, of, an, of an art speak, I suppose, um, illuminating them, making them feel accessible. And at the moment, I feel like a lot of organisations are trying to do that. And I, and I feel like I'm, I can be an enabler of that. So how do we stop the provocation becoming simply an exception to the rule? So let's say National Trust or Arnolfini or any arts organisation would work with you and a particular event happens that it diversifies the audience, that raises all sorts of really um, urgent issues. Um, and then Monday comes and everything goes back to how it was. What, how does that get sustained? Is that, is that increasingly working with artists like yourself? I think what it is, is, is just like showing that audience that those places are available to them. Like, I did an event at the Red Lodge Museum and it was about reimagining those portraits on the walls to be profile, like dating profiles on like Grindr or Tinder and making up stuff about what they'd been up to and what I'd been up to in the kind of process of dating these portraits. So this is a Georgian house in Bristol, isn't it? That's it it's it's part Judean, yeah. Georgian and part Tudor, yeah. yeah. So those people that came to that event had never stepped inside there. And so a lot of them anyway... Um, and it's quite well hidden, really, although it's right in the centre. Um, so I think it's about kind of introducing those spaces to them, making them feel comfortable, making, making them see that their stories may not be blatantly visible within those spaces, but they are or can be made up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that playfulness, how does that... I mean, I'm thinking of... Um, the amazing um, history of practice and performance in Onofini over its, its four decades uh, here at, at this Bush House site. Um, many people have spoken to me about the extraordinary eye-opening experiences they had here mm. and that this used to feel very much like a gathering place um, and that less so now. And in my first podcast, I spoke a little bit about how the harbour side had obviously changed enormously and the atmosphere has changed but I would like to see Yonofini return to being a gathering place a, cent a place in which there's social bridges as well as um, responding to particular groups and existing communities that it builds a community what, what's been your experience of, of other places where that where that happens and goes well um, I mean I think that a lot of different venues that I work with all have different attitudes towards that. But it was so interesting. On Friday, I did an event at the Zion Centre in Bedminster Down um, in Dundry View, which is further out of town. And it's very much got its own community there. And it was a queer event that we were hosting. It was called a Queer Salon. And we had, like, about five different performers and it was just like local families that were coming 
not necessarily you know LGBT plus families. They were just like people that were kind of curious about what was going on, and um, they had a great time. And I was also aware, like a lot of my friends and and people that come to my events regularly weren't there because yeah. it was just further out of town. Yeah. It was quite interesting, really. And what do you think was it? Was it that that place, Zion House, was? Um, is it is it something to do with that place being? Uh, recognise there's a trust there so people are coming there anyway and they feel comfortable there so they're like well we'll give this a try yeah uh, I mean I think that they've that centre has worked quite hard to be embedded in that community so they host regular events they're a cafe during the day and they're very friendly and accepting and they also are they also talk quite openly about lots of like that area specifically I think has experienced a lot of hate crime um, and so they're trying to address that by having a diversity month which is what they're doing and that is about all sorts of different types of diversities. And how, tell me a little bit more about how you act as a compare. So how, how do you know what's going on on the ground? How do you see the artists that are coming out of the woodwork that are where do you see their practice? Where do you look? Well, I quite often just um, want to work with people that I like. <laughs> I, as uh, people. Yeah, as yeah. people. And so um, sharing dressing rooms with other artists and performers, like you get to know like whether this person is difficult to work with, whether you like them, whether you want to hang out with them, whether you want to bring them to Bristol and say, you know, do you want to sleep on my sofa and we can do something? Um, not on my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole other story. <laughs> um, I'm interested in um, this phrase, talent development, that um, a number of arts organisations, you know, mm. will talk about in in funding applications and in their visions. And I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, what the role of an arts organisation like Arnold Feeney is, and I'm quite interested in thinking about it slightly differently in terms of nourishing artistic practice and creativity. And if we think for a moment about the artistic ecology in a city like Bristol or any regional city of this kind of size, um, I'm intrigued to think what nourishes artistic practice. And so it's not only opportunities to perform, to test out, to network, as we've talked about, as a gathering point, but it's also about seeing work that you never imagined that you would see in your hometown. So I'm interested to think about, for you, what, does, what, does, what do you want to see in this city? What do you think is missing mm. in terms of the ecology that we have, which is very dynamic and vital, particularly in live art and performance, actually? What do you think is missing at the moment? Um, I feel like there isn't... There isn't really a home for experimental theatre in Bristol. There's not a go-to venue. Um, I think that the programme that Trinity offer has been really great in terms of, like, performance that's very much interconnected with the community that works around the building. And you're a trustee of Trinity. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that and the importance for you of artists being on the board of an organisation. Well, Trinity is like really just like a stone's throw from my flat. I live in Old Market. 
and I'm I'm interested in what the difference is that you make as an artist on the board, bearing in mind um, questions of uh, of remuneration and thinking about the the value of your time, but thinking about kind of what what your agency is. What do you notice as an artist that other board members don't notice? I think it's having another set of eyes onto the programme um, with with thinking about the community that you are, as an artist, connected to. But also I think it might be around actually ways to use the space that maybe if you're, if you're in that organisation, if you're stuck in that organisation, you may not see the, like, for Trinity, I'm, I'm kind of very interested in seeing the garden as a space that actually might be a place for the program you know or maybe there's a temporary sculpture that sits there you know or or a permanent one and and how that and i and i don't think and i have talked about that in meetings before and i think that's something that they're considering and i don't think that's something that would have been considered otherwise tell me a little bit about you how you first encountered performance and experimental theatre how did you um, get to experience that um, so I kind of came from a place of like doing a BTEC in performance because I didn't get very good A levels so my BTEC was in Western Supermare mm-hmm. and it was it was a very much a showbiz BTEC and a lot of the work that we did was a a panto that lasted quite a long part of the year and it was jazz hands yeah loads of jazz hands yeah and the panto acted as a big um, income generator I think for the course so (laughs) we were forced to like do two shows a day for like two months or something (laughs) stupid Um, and then I really wanted to do a degree and the only place that I could get a, a place was through clearing at Leicester and as it turned out, it was the best thing, really. What was the course? Um, it was called Performing Arts. Um, but the, the course was much more about your own voice within performance, creating, you know, theatre or installations or, like, experimental practice around things that were important to you. And that opened up lots of different ideas because I think before I was just thinking, oh, I just want to be an actor. You know, I want to be in Chekhov or something. <laughs> and, like, that's really not me. So, um, and and then I think after graduating, I had quite a clear idea of the type of the performance that I that I wanted to make and came back to Bristol, being my hometown. And actually that was when I started to come much more to um, Arnolfini. And at that time, you know, there was a very regular program. Like it was, it was like most Friday Saturdays. There was a show here, and there was a, there was like quite a community of artists that would. And I still still see those people now. Um, and was that being run by the program here? Yeah. So, so that, that was when was Helen Cole of, was yeah. just had just been put in post, and through that, I think I started to talk to Helen about my work. And I think she was one of the first people to really support it through different kind of emerging schemes that she was 
had created. Yeah. And it's interesting thinking of in between time and how Helen developed that into mm. an organisation out of Arnolfini. Mm. And she describes it as a global home for radical ideas. And to think about how important the exchange of ideas in and out of Bristol's incredibly important. Do, have you ever felt here that it can become parochial in terms of the network of artists who are here? You described a bit in terms of bringing other artists, that mm. your role is bringing other artists mm. in. Do you see that as being a crucial part of shaking up the ecology here? In a way, the climate in Bristol is quite interesting for a lot of theatre practitioners. There's a lot going on, like there's lots to see, and there are spaces to develop work within that. So I think that artists can be a little bit complacent in Bristol. And that's probably similar for a lot of cities where there's a, there's a certain dynamism of the ecology, but it needs outsiders and in the full meaning of the word mm. to shake things up to mm. show different perspectives mm. to um, create new synergies and new encounters it, it also seems to me that that, that another rule if we were going to talk about rules going forward would be the role of an arts organization in amplifying practice nourishing it and exporting helping to export mm. so kind of what begins here and where does it go as a result of uh, an arts organisation's support, really, internationally, mm. um, which is, is very much what Helen Cole has done at, mm. in between time, I think. And Tom, if, if you were to have one new rule for a 21st century arts organisation, what would it be? It feels like it is about the artist, like it is about bringing them back in more I mean, I'm thinking much more specifically about Arnolfini because um, it has been a place where I've had residencies to develop work and I see that as being really useful and valuable and to make sure that there's always artists in the building. They might be playing their music a bit too loud and you'll be like, it's a bit annoying, but like, I think it's beneficial for everyone, really. It's interesting, we've had a conversation amongst the team here about residences and one of the things we were talking about was the need to, that if you're resident, in whatever form, artist, musician, writer, that you're resident within the team, mm. as opposed to resident in a small room with the door shut. Mm. Um, and that that idea of actually artists who influence our daily thinking mm. um, would, I think, be a huge step forward in terms of a dynamic. And just to add to that, I think that often when I have residencies within organisations, I always feel like there should be another residency at the beginning, which is the residency about the way that the organisation works. Mm. And I've really felt that within the National Trust. Like, it's quite a big deal to get your head around, like, the way that these volunteers work specifically and the fact that the biscuit tin is really important to these people and, you know, what, who does what and just everything around that. You kind, of, you kind of need to get your head around who these people are and the building before you go into a dark room and start making whatever you're making. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking through this 
your ideas about new rules. Pleasure. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Imagine New Rules. All the podcasts in this series are available for download at arnolfini.org.uk. Ensure you're notified of future episodes by following Arnolfini on SoundCloud. <laughs>